The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave! You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And on my return, I would have received at least what was my own with interest. So take this talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Yeah, where is the word of God in this text? For all those who have more, for all those who have, more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. The Gospels are supposed to be good news, aren't they? It's supposed to be an announcement of hope. In fact... The Gospels specifically used the word that the Romans used when they came to town to announce an announcement of good news. Euangelion is the Greek word. The Romans, of course, would make announcements all the time and they would be good news for the Romans. And if you were lucky, on the right side of the law, you might get some good news, a trickle-down effect. It would always be good news for the Empire, maybe for you, Maybe not. But it's not good news for us. 
Those with much will get more and those with, with little will get nothing. We've had permanent tax cuts enacted for the wealthy in our country. $9,000 a year tax relief. At the same time, the job seeker payment has been reduced down to $2,600 a year. And then with no guarantee that it will last past March. The wealth of the world's billionaires have gone up by a third during the COVID disaster. So while the rest of us have been struggling, the world's billionaires, their wealth's gone up by a third. Inequality we know is increasing in Australia. So it is true, it's news, might not be good news, but it is news, those with much get more and those with less get less. The average wealth of the highest 20% rose by 53% in the last decade. Well, for the lowest, it's declined by 9%, the lowest 20%. The rich get richer, as Midnight Oil said in one of their songs, and the poor get the picture. And it would have been the same for Jesus' hearers. As he was telling this story and speaking in the voice of the, of the slave owner and saying, the rich get richer and the poor get the picture, they go, uh-huh, preach it, brother. We know this. This is our experience. It's life as they experienced it. Huge upheavals. We've discovered in the last 20, 30 years an enormous amount of archaeological evidence which points to an enormous amount of upheaval, social and economic upheaval, particularly around the Galilee region where Jesus was born and raised. Money and products and and agricultural products were being sucked out of the region into the wealthy towns, into the growth of cities. Caesarea Philippi, which was um, it's about 100 kilometres south uh, west of, of Nazareth, and it was being built up as a centre of importance for the son of Herod the Great, Philip, who had taken it over and began to build it as his uh, capital. And he erected um, temples of white marble, the histories tell us. And then Caesarea Maritima, which was about 60 kilometres just due northwest of Nazareth, Again, this extraordinary uh, building project put together by Pilate, who was the current governor of the whole region. Um, and then Sepphoris, which was only six kilometres from where Jesus was born and bred in Nazareth. It was known as the Ornament of Galilee. It was so beautiful. And Jesus and Joseph, his father, might well have worked there. Most uh, biblical historians consider that, that that's where all the work would have been because it was all sucked out of the of the regions. And there's, we're not really clear, you know, traditionally Jesus is a carpenter, but the language could also mean stonemason. It's not clear which it is. So if Jesus was a stonemason, stone mason, there would have been plenty of work in Sepphoris, just six k's down the road. It's an enormous upheaval that's going on. So when Jesus tells this story, everyone is really aware of the world they're living in, not unlike us. It's a dreadful story, let's be honest. And it just doesn't work to see Jesus or God as the absent landlord, a manipulative, human-owning, life-controlling rent-seeker. If that's God, I'm out of here. I'm not interested. So where is the good news? If there is any in it, and it must be because why would they bother including it when they were putting together the gospel? But it's 
maybe it's hidden. And it often is in these Gospels. It's not that clear. The poem that I read from William Stafford, it's not that straightforward. And some of the bits of that poem, I find them a bit clunky. I can't quite figure out what he means. Other bits are really wonderful. And there's a lot of stuff hidden in it. And if you were a student of poetry, you would go away and you'd, you'd read that and together with others and, and you would try and unpick some of the possible uh, nuances in it. Well, it's not unlike that with the Gospels. It's always hidden. It's going to be hidden in a couple of weeks' time when we celebrate the birth of a baby at the back end of the empire, the kind of nowheresville of the, of the, of the entire Roman Empire. It's like discovering that the most influential person in the world today is not a New York real estate and media tycoon, nor is it a 50-year veteran of the US Senate, but let's say a young woman from the back end of Burkina Faso, which some of us would struggle to find on a map, even which continent it might be on. That's how bizarre the gospel story of the birth of Jesus is. Like, what are you talking about? We know who the most influential person on the planet is, and it's either Donald Trump or Joe Biden, depending on you know, which one of the 70-odd million you were when you voted in the United States. We're telling a different story. It's like a treasure hidden in a field, Jesus says earlier on in the Gospel of Matthew. It's hidden from the wise, Jesus says, all the way through the Gospels. So whatever's going on here is constantly hidden. You can see, he says to some of his listeners, but you can't perceive. You, you don't really know what's going on. You're, you can hear, but you're not really listening. What if the story here is the story of Jesus being hidden in the third slave. The whistleblower. The one who tells the truth. I knew you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. The truth that everyone knew that couldn't be said out aloud was suddenly said aloud. The lie of his life, the slave owner's life, was in demonstration. This is why we remember all through the generations the story of the emperor having no clothes. Because it puts the lie to the mantle of power that says, because I am in a position of power, I have an otherworldliness about me. It, I, have, I am in fact ordained by God to this role. In fact, I am, I am like a God. In fact, I'm probably like the son of God. The Roman Empire, the Roman emperors. I am God myself, Caesar Augustus said, only 50 years before Jesus' birth. That's what happens. The third slave puts a lie to this story. Because the slave buries the money. When you bury things, you expect them to grow if you grow, if you live in an agricultural society. You wouldn't bury anything if you wouldn't grow because the whole essence of life is about what you grow, what you reap, what you eat, and what you grow again. That's how agricultural societies work. Now we pretend our society doesn't work like that. But tell your wife, all the farmers pack up, 
We know that, don't we? It's almost as if Jesus is saying, look, there's Sepphoris just down the road. You can't eat those fancy buildings. That's not essential to life. It's not important. The slave master's whole life was built on this lie. The third slave says, well, plant them this money and see what happens. Nothing. Here, you can have it back. It's of no use. It doesn't do anything. It's, there's no life in it. The lie is, you can just keep taking with no consequences. What you didn't reap, take that. What you didn't sow, have that as well. There'll be no consequences. The nation that refuses to take climate change seriously, there'll be no consequences. The Bureau of Meteorology and the CSIO report that came out this week telling us we're definitely at 1.4% higher average temperature than we were in, in, in 1910. We can just keep doing that. It'll be fine. We can keep throwing things away because away is somewhere. We can keep digging up coal and iron ore and it'll be fine. We can be a company that got the stimulus for COVID and give it as a bonus to our executives. We could be a corporation that received money from the 2008 financial crash and buy back our shares to boost the share price, to boost our own incomes. We could just keep doing this and it'll be okay. The nation that refuses to allow indigenous people to have self-determination you know, just this week, again, uh, Pat Dixon and, and a few other people have shown the, the lie is that's behind uh, the... Uh, I've forgotten it. I didn't write it down. The seven points of indigenous policy... Closing the gap. Yes. Don't laugh. It's a senior moment. Seven. Seven. Did I... Yeah, I didn't do maths at school. I was away that day. Um, sorry. Yeah, the closing the gap strategy, only two of those have had anything like being successful because we've refused to allow Indigenous people to have proper self-determination. And right in the middle of NADOC week, we've extended the cashless welfare card across whole swathes of the Northern Territory, even though a report's come out this week proving, without a shadow of a doubt, that it has no impact. On the, on, in a beneficial way to people using it. The individual who refuses to check out that funny lump in your breast or your chest or your head, it'll go away by itself. It's a lie that we live. Those of us who allow our relationships with somebody to fester and fall away when we ought to fix it up immediately, it'll be okay, it'll work itself out. We live these lies all the time. This story puts the lie to all of those things and says there are some things that are true and have to be grasped. And when they are, when we live in the truth of it, as Jesus says all the way through the Gospels, particularly at the end of the Gospel of John where he talks about the, the, the spirit of God, the essence of God, the experience of God coming to among us and helping us see truth from lies. Helping us see truth, which is both extraordinarily wonderful and horrifying. Because truth is an extraordinary thing, but it also makes us see the truth of ourselves, and not all of it is wonderful. 
The slave master's life is built on a lie. The third slave shows that up for what it is, a bit of political theatre. Look, I buried the thing in the ground like I've always done because I'm a farmer. We're all farmers here. We buried it in the ground and up it comes. Nothing came up. What's wrong with it? It's a counterfeit seed. It's not real. But of course, not only do his listeners know the rich get richer and the poor get the picture, they also know that if you stand up as a whistleblower, if you tell the truth, you're going to be done down. What we have will be taken away and will be tossed into outer darkness. For to all those who have, more will be given, and those who have an abundance, and, and they will have an abundance, but from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. And as for this worthless slave, throw him into outer darkness, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We know this. Bernard Collery and Witness K, still ongoing court case where the government is trying to put them in jail for exposing the government's own illegal practices in bugging the government offices of Timor-Leste. We're still doing that. So Bernard Collery and Witness K would be reading this story and go, "Uh uh-huh, we know this story. But the people who are reading this story in Matthew's Gospel know one other thing, that if Jesus is the third slave tossed out into outer darkness, as they knew was his experience at the crucifixion, as he was thrown into the ground as a criminal, as the, as the story intimates, they know one other thing, that in a mystical way that they can't explain, Jesus is with them and in them and through them. They are living completely different lives because the dead don't stay dead. Those tossed into outer darkness don't stay there. A new world begins, a new world grows up, new life comes. So while they're reading this story and saying, yes, this is the way it's always been, they're knowing a new experience as Jesus comes alive in them and in us. We can read all the bad news that I just read out and you could add ten more things each of you without even thinking about it. There's so much of it around. Even within that, we're living in in an experience that says all of that is a lie. There's a deeper, growing truth. So back to our little pen and ink drawing. Obviously the guy with the hat sitting up, that's the slave master, surely. Maybe the guy on the right is one of the slaves that have suddenly gotten a lot more money. Although... You read the story close, it's not clear that they get to keep the money that they've made. Here's the five talents, I've made ten. Um, enter into the joy of who? The master. Uh, you know, it's, it's not all beer and skittles. And then the guy on the other end, the left, you kind of, I get the sense that he's just sort of standing up and raising himself up to his full height to give back the talent and say, I knew to start exposing the lie. Who knows? That's my reading. Thanks, Matthew.